Sally started crying and yelping, and I ran up real quick, and a mountain lion had her. Hey guys, I'm Ezra David Romero. And I'm Carrie Klein. This is Outdoorsy, a podcast from Valley Public Radio. We take you to wild places in Central California and introduce you to people who explore them. Today, we talk less about humans and more about our pets, specifically dogs. Neither of us have dogs, but hiking with them looks like a lot of fun. But our friends also talk about how tough it can be to find dog-friendly hiking spots and to keep them safe. So this episode is all about where to take them, where not to take them, and how to prep them for the outdoors if they're not quite ready yet. And we'll end the show with a place where both humans and animals can get a treat. We knew there was only one way to do this story spend some time with dogs and their people. We invited four buddies with furry friends to join us for a day in the woods. Meet Nora, Duke, Bart, and Puma Diego. Hi, you guys. I'm so sorry. Hi. Hi. We began at a giant grove of sequoias. It's not in a national park. In fact, it's a place even many locals don't know about. It's called Nelder Grove. It's not too far away from the mountain town of Oakhurst and about an hour and a half from Fresno. A few miles north of town on Highway 41, you turn right onto a country road and twist and turn for seven miles. We met up with Brenda Negley, a local volunteer and guide with a long history in this area. My grandparents were the first volunteer hosts up here at Nelda Grove. Actually, there's a tree up here named after them. That tree is the Hawksworth tree. My husband proposed to me under that tree. Brenda's worked here as a camp host for eight years and she even wrote a book about the area. She says this grove of 99 sequoia trees has seen a lot of change. 10 to 15,000 years ago, the North Fork Mono lived and traveled through here. Uh, 5,000 years ago, it was the Southern Sierra Miwok. But the American Indians, this place was called a pass-through. It was almost like the highway of the day back then with the trails that interconnected where the different um, groups would travel through. Um, Galen Clark was here in 1858, named the area Fresno Grove at the time. It's now known as Nelder Grove. Um, Robert E. Cleston in 1851 with the Mariposa Battalion, though, were the first European Americans to be here. At one time, there were over 350 giant sequoias here, but over 250 of them were lost to logging. In the late 1800s, John Muir stumbled upon this wilderness while he was trekking across the Sierra Nevada, and he found something surprising, a cabin with a man living in it. So he met John Nelder. John Nelder had just finished building his cabin up in Nelder Basin. And that's where they both met. And then he stayed here for about a week and a half while John Nelder and John Muir explored the grove. And um, Nelder showed him the trees, his pet trees, the everything unique to the grove. The area features interpretive trails with log cabins from that era and a really cool handmade replica of the grove, complete with topography and trees. Today, the grove is protected from logging, but felled trees still scar the landscape, slowly decomposing. So here at the Interpretive Center, we have a giant stump. I call it the big stump. And then off to, uh, let's see, southwest is a giant log. So that log that you see right there came from this stump. That log's been on the ground for 150 years, still has not decomposed. It is solid. That history was interesting to the humans among us. But after a long conversation, the dogs were ready to go. We took them on a one and a half mile hike and stopped at a sequoia tree that had been hollowed out by lightning. Feels so good. The shade. Right. Let's have lunch inside this tree. Yeah, right? We could totally do that. We munched on sandwiches and snacks while the dogs caught their breath. We decided to take this opportunity to talk about dog-friendly hiking. 
Finding places to take your dogs in the outdoors can be surprisingly hard because every type of land has different guidelines. In Kings Canyon, Sequoia, and Yosemite National Parks, dogs have to be on leash and generally can't go on trails. But in wilderness areas, places owned by the Bureau of Land Management, and in forest service lands like Nelder Grove, dogs are welcome and sometimes allowed off-leash. To be safe, it's a good idea to look up the dog rules and always carry a leash just in case. But the rules aren't the only challenges. We asked our friends what they find tough about hiking with dogs and why they sometimes decide to leave their pets behind and hike solo. Our friend Christine loves the outdoors, but today is her first hike with her dog, Duke. Duke is an adorable little furball, and Christine's worried that he'll look delicious to wild animals. The first thought that comes to mind for me is, what's a wildlife situation like out here animal-wise? On the other side of the spectrum, our friend Michelle takes her dog Bart into the wilderness about once a week. She's had the time and experience to solve the challenges she comes up against. For one thing, her old dog used to get tired on the trail, so she'd actually carry him out. Her new dog Bart can't go on trails in national parks. So she's found dozens of other nice dog hikes, like Shaver Lake, Courtright Reservoir, Toll House, and her favorite, the Eastern Sierra. And what's maybe most impressive is the training she's found to help Bart behave in the outdoors, including rattlesnake aversion therapy, which involves an electric collar. They then have these rattlesnakes in these containers. So they take them to a couple different containers, and when they get to the container that has a snake, they'd use the collar up at a pretty high level to do negative reinforcement and then they run so they, they look, teach the dog to if they smell the rattlesnake to run instead of staying right there so it's it's good because they teach them what the smell what they sound like and what they move like so if they see it out in the wild they're not going to go oh what's that like bart's a hunting breed he doesn't need to be going hunting rattlesnakes <laughs> <laughs> this training thing, it hit a note for our friend Mackenzie, whose dog Nora is unpredictable and sometimes uncontrollable. She's an entirely different dog off the leash than she is on the leash. On the leash, she's anxious, she's pulling, she's jumping on people. You take her off and she just is free. My right arm is probably way more muscular than my left at this point just from walking her. There's a stupid joke that everyone's always like rolling their window down and they're like, you walking the dog or is a dog walking you sort of thing every time I walk her at home because she is pretty strong. So, yeah, I'm not interested in a leash walk if I don't do it unless I have to. Mackenzie's concern is a pretty common one. How to control your dog so you both enjoy the outdoors. We wanted to know the answer, too. So a few days after the hike, we interviewed Candace Gregory. She's a retired firefighter and a writer based near Oakhurst who blogs about hiking with her dog. My dog is Sally E. Smith. Every dog needs to have a last name and a middle name. And she's a Weimaraner, and she's five years old. Candace has been hiking with Sally for years, all throughout the valley and the Sierra Nevada. She says the keys to making a dog wilderness ready are understanding your dog and training it. I think um, training is, is a biggie. And um, Sally went to training. So um, I'm not perfect at training dogs by a long ways. If they haven't been out on leash and haven't been on hikes or walks, keeping them on leash and in control is an important thing. And some dogs don't play well with others. But knowing your dog is probably the best advice I can have and knowing their limitations. And sometimes you'll see dogs out on the trail that have muzzles on them. And it's not because they're necessarily mean dogs, but it's because that owner is being responsible and making sure that that dog doesn't have an opportunity to do something bad. And many, many times it's you that need the training and not the dog. 
Yeah, well, that's an interesting point. Tell, tell us more mm-hmm. about that. You know, a lot of times I think when a dog trainer trains a dog, a dog really would like to please and, and do well. But sometimes we don't know how to make that happen. And a trainer has been around the block many, many times and seen all different kinds of things. And they can see what you're doing wrong and help you give good, clear, consistent cues to your dog. It may sound pretty basic, but Candace reminds us it's important to pack supplies for your dog. Not just water and food, but maybe a water filtration system and a lightweight water bowl. She also carries a doggy first aid kit, ointment for sore paws, and little dog booties. Talk about the boots that you put on your dog. Okay, are those so actual bo- little boots? Like they sure are. Boots? I should have brought some to show you. <laughs> I mean, Sally has outfits, <laughs> and um, so she has different boots to go with her outfits too. So she has some real thin uh, ones that are more I carry in a pack as a backup emergency in case I have to um, put them on. And um, she also has uh, snow boots that go up to her knees. She has uh, bright orange uh, boots that she can do a whole hike on the whole day in. And they have a a little grippy thing on the bottom, kind of like our Vibram soles. So she doesn't mind being all decked out? Sadly, I think she likes it. Yeah, because some dogs I probably wouldn't like to have things on their feet. Oh, the first time I put them on, Sally, it's and if you put them on your dog the first time, it is hilarious. Have your video ready. Because uh, they are stepping high and prancing, and it's weird, but they get used to it pretty darn quick. Okay, so we've talked about training, food, and water, sweaters and boots, maybe. But what about Christine's question? Are dogs really in danger? Yeah, she has an answer for that, and it's actually a little tough to hear. Well, there are animals around, and there are animals that like to eat our animals. And Sally's had one of those experiences. Sally is a very lucky dog. A couple years ago, we were hiking up at Shut Eye Pass, which is in the Sierra National Forest above Bass Lake. And Sally was walking about 20 feet or so out in front of me, and we had four hikers that day following an old dozer trail. There was a low spot on the dozer trail, and Sally started crying and yelping, and I ran up real quick, and a mountain lion had her. It had Sally's head in its mouth and was trying to break its neck. It had its all of its feet and claws hooked into Sally and uh, wasn't letting her go. And as I was yelling at the mountain lion, it gave me just the nastiest look. And I started backing away. I figured Sally was a goner. And uh, I, mean, I wasn't running away. I was just slowly backing away. And then my hiking partner, Rick, ran up with his hiking pole and started beating on the mountain lion. <laughs> and he, uh, wow. the mountain lion did let go of Sally. And I had Sally heel, and we backed out and walked back to the car. She had lots and lots of stitches, and her personality didn't change, and she still lives hiking and all. But I'm a little more cautious taking Sally in mountain lion country. I don't blame the mountain lion at all for the attack. It was doing what it did, and we were in that mountain lion's backyard. But there are, there are other hazards out there also, such as rattlesnakes and other critters, And those are hazards that I try to make people aware of in the blog so that they can decide whether that's a good hike for their dog or maybe keep the dog on leash. Uh, You should always have control of your dog, even when you're out in the woods. And some dogs are more controllable than others on leash and off leash. 
So I wonder if you have advice for people who may think that this sounds really intimidating. I mean, for people who haven't brought their dogs out before, it's like, okay, know your dog really well, start them out on small hikes, bring lots of supplies. I mean, that might that might sound like a really tough undertaking if you've never done it before. Is it worth it to, to try to go through all these steps? Well, uh, if you like to walk and hike, and if your dog likes to walk and hike, I think there, there's probably a hike out there that you both can do together. And um, start small. It could just be walking down the street or in your local park. And don't let it overwhelm you. I have a goal in life of having one adventure a week. And when you go out on a hike, I like to have unexpected, it's not mountain lion attacks, but being open to looking and seeing what you're uh, experiencing out there on the hike, whether it's a beautiful fall leaf or a reflection in a creek or the snow-covered mountains. Um, to me, you kind of get these awe moments when you see something unexpected. And sometimes your dog helps you find those things. Uh, they may find um, something that you would have missed, and both of you experiencing that together kind of makes it a, a fun hike for myself. If this is still all worth it to you, at the end of the day, know that there's a place you can treat yourself and your pet. This is uh, Benacera Pinot Grigio. We're talking about a dog-friendly wine bar called Yosemite Wine Tales. It's served cold and you, you sip it. It's located right on Highway 41 in the middle of Oakhurst and about a half an hour from Nelder Grove. Cling, cling. Cheers nice. to wine tales. Yay. Cheers. That's a puppy breath. <laughs> yes. Colette Goga runs the bar. From the outside, it looks like every other business on this street. But inside, there's plenty of space for people and their pets. While humans peruse a long list of wine, beer, and other goodies, every four-legged patron gets a free treat and water from doggy water fountains. Colette and her husband also run a feed store and an animal boarding house. They love helping animals and their owners. I have taken those two passions and then turned it into a place where people can come, sit down, and maybe explore wines that they, under normal circumstances, wouldn't necessarily drink. If you're a Chardonnay fan, then it's time to come to Yosemite Wine Tales and try a Malbec or a blend or maybe something sweet where you, we, we aren't pretentious. We're not going to tell you what to drink first, second, and third but I will offer things that I believe will appeal to different individuals based on their tastes, wants, needs, desires. And we do offer craft beer. Are you still going to try to just at me? I think he's saying he's thirsty. While we're sipping wine, the dogs get a little restless, but Colette knows what to do. She walks over to a few tables covered with what looks like pastries and cookies. So all those delicious things in the window are not for us? They are not. Aren't they amazingly wonderful looking? I mean, really and truly, the cannolis look like cannolis. There are cinnamon rolls that genuinely look like cinnamon rolls. There's some little truffle things. Those are all doggy cookies. Cinnamon rolls? Thank you. Thank you. Oh, no, no. 
And as we move on to red wine, Colette tells us more about her motivation for opening this dog-friendly wine bar. It all comes back to her relationship with her dog. The passion that people have for their animals and wanting to take them with them wherever they go. And that relationship between, you know, I call them fur kids and their owners, it, it's a bond and it's amazing. So the marriage there is to have people come in and enjoy a beer or a glass of wine and have their pet legitimately able to come in and just be without having to label it a service dog or, or something to that effect. So um, why? The answer is because. I love my dog, and I am paying that forward. I think most people that have dogs have that same passion for their, their fur kid, and they want to go everywhere. I could be wrong. <laughs> I don't think so, but I could be. And that's today's show. Check out our website for other dog-friendly hikes in the Central Valley and share a picture with your dog or your favorite hiking spot on Instagram or Twitter. We're at Outdoorsy Pod on both. Our editor is Joe Moore, and we had engineering help from Don Weaver. Our music is by Kevin McLeod and Ben Sound. Stay tuned for future shows when we visit other wild places and interview the people who love them. For Outdoorsy, I'm Carrie Klein. And I'm Ezra David Romero. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye.